0: This is an American Crime Cast production. Visit us at our new home at accproductions.org. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This is Brandy from Houston, Texas, listening to Mysterious Circumstances. See you on the flip side. He looked like a country doctor, a simple person. Uh, you wouldn't turn around the street if you saw him. But once you spoke to him, his voice was soft. It was direct, it was honest, it was embracing, and for me, I always saw a double pupil, a superimposure, as if he were looking through eternity. It made you a little uncomfortable at times because you wondered what you had done yesterday or said yesterday that you ought not to have said. A stream of thought, a stream of consciousness that Edgar Tapp. I think Mr. Casey has given us a definition of a human being, of what a human being really is, that we truly are. One, body, mind, and spirit. If Edgar Cayce did what he did, there is more to us than a physical body. That immediately has implications for the age-old questions of humanity. Who are we? What's the purpose of life? What happens to us when we die? All of that. The flash burns were so severe that the doctors felt that the eyes could not be saved without taking one of them out. Our family physician told me this and it was then that I asked Casey, my father to give a reading when the treatments he recommended were applied in applications on the eyes internal medicine and a change of diet the eyes began to heal and in a matter of weeks they removed the bandages and I could see the Casey readings tell an extraordinary story about how life is meaningful and purposeful and we're all here on a grand purpose but then they get even more specific and say that everybody is here on a specific mission. That each of us has come with unique talents and abilities and strengths to contribute something and to grow in a very special way, a very particular life path. And when Edgar Casey gave life readings to individuals, and there's about 2,000 of them, he wasn't just telling them stories about their past lives, he was helping them see their mission or their purpose for this lifetime. And that's something each one of us can discover for ourselves. If you want to know what you need to work on, in life, look at the people that you keep attracting to you. And if you want to know what you have to work with, look at the positive people in your life, because you can see your own strengths and weaknesses in other people. For decades, the Casey readings have stood the test of time, research, and extensive study. But who exactly was this guy? Well, he was a poor farm boy from Kentucky who was born in 1877. That's it. But who he became? was the most well-documented and accurate psychic that has ever lived. Casey predicted the Great Depression, two world wars, he predicted the fall of communism in Russia, he predicted the shift in the polar axis of planet Earth, and above all else, he cured thousands of people with his readings, all while in a self-hypnotic trance that he would later have no memory of after the reading. He also went on to predict his own death and his own reincarnation in the year 2100. Sound ridiculous? Well, that's why you're listening. My name is Justin, and welcome to The Sleeping Prophet Edgar Casey, Part 1. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you Brandy for introducing the show. And without any more waiting, let's go ahead and get this done. I should be stated now that this was going to be a three-part episode, but it's looking like it's going to be a four-parter. And I know some of you have heard of Edgar Casey. some of you have not. In the first two parts of this episode, I will be telling his biography. I will be telling detailed information about what he did throughout his life we're not gonna dive too deep into some of the facts of some of the stuff because I know one of the parts of this series is going to be interviews with uh, followers people who admire Edgar Casey and follow some of his teachings and also I have enlisted the help of a very dear friend of mine to be the skeptic I wanted her to specifically try to debunk edgar casey and she's a very good researcher and very analytical so it should get pretty interesting the last part of the series will be facts and different theories about edgar casey so let's get started here edgar casey just a regular poor farm boy from kentucky born on a sunday march 18th outside of hopkinsville kentucky about eight miles outside of hopkinsville Uh, He was the second child born to the Casey family. His older sister, who came before him, actually didn't even make it to a year old. And growing up, he was very, very close with his grandparents on his father's side as well. He really admired his grandfather. He followed him around constantly as a young child. Now, on June of 1881, Casey, at the age of four witnessed his grandfather die now how this happened is he was riding horseback with his grandfather i believe his name was thomas jefferson casey he was let off the horse his grandfather was going to cool the horse off in uh, one of the ponds on the property so edgar casey was let off and his grandfather went into the pond and the horse got spooked by something it got scared and it threw the grandfather off well, the grand his grandfather's uh, foot was caught in the stirrup, so he actually drowned. Edgar Casey witnessed this at four years old. But also, what happened after this is when Edgar Casey and his family started realizing that he might be a little bit different from other people. After this incident occurred, Edgar would often find refuge in uh the the barn on the property. Now it was a it was where the tobacco was fired, so he was probably back there working back there with his dad or whatnot. Well he claimed that while he was back in that barn, his grandfather would come to visit him and let him, you know, play with his beard whiskers and tell him stories about the Civil War As he's telling these stories about his grandfather to his family, you know, meaning his uh, grandmother and his mom and dad and all that stuff, uh, he was ridiculed pretty bad. Uh, The mother, his mother and grandmother on his father's side actually were the ones who encouraged it. They encouraged the fact that he was different and he might have the ability to see these things. So he did have a little bit of encouragement early on and it should be noted that he did display certain abilities early on in his life. Now his father who referred to himself as the squire was pretty much one of the more you know he was he was the guy who ridiculed him the most more than likely. It uh, As you'll find out in Edgar Casey's life he had a lot of problems with his father. There were A lot of conflicts, uh, and at one point in time, uh, Edgar didn't talk to his father for a few years because of some stuff that happened, which we will get to here in a a little bit. Now, at about age seven, Edgar finally starts school in a tiny little one-room schoolhouse. Uh, From his own words, he was a pretty dull student. He hated books. He hated reading books until his parents gave him a bible now he was just into this he was into the bible and christianity he hadn't even gone to church yet i don't even think he went to church until he was about 10 years old and that would have been the first time but he was just so engrossed with the bible and not so much the story of it but the integrity of it just the fact that you know, people were good, like, this was, you know, this book was, you know, the book that was meant to make you a better person, that's what really drew him to it, he actually ended up, and I'm sorry, I said actually again, even though I'm on a serious note right now, he ended up reading the book one time for every year of his life, and it is said that in the first, like, five years, they said he re- read that book, uh, read the Bible, probably about a dozen times. He just couldn't put it down. In May of 1890, at the age of 13, he was baptized as a member of the Disciples of Christ Church. It, this was really something that kind of, you know, filled him. It filled him. He It was something he thought was right, that he wanted to do. Because, you know, he, he was just a pretty strict follower of this Bible. So there's one day in May where he goes to what they call the, a retreat in the woods. And it's, it's basically, for lack of a better description, it's basically this old wooden hut in the middle of the woods. I rarely tried to find out exactly what it was, and that's literally as it was described. It was supposedly... You know, just a little wooden shack out in the middle of the woods. Well, he went out there often to just be by himself and read his Bible and just be alone with his thoughts. Now, he goes out there to reread the story of Samson and the vision of Manoah. And after he's reading this and while he's reading it, he stops and he prays. And he prays to be able to help his fellow man. To make people better, just to help people, just to just do whatever he could to be a better person and to help people because he kind of had this feeling early on that this was something that he felt was right that he wanted to do well later that night it is stated that he receives a vision and is in his own words he says it was a glorious light that filled the whole room. It was like a, a sun coming into the room. And this figure appeared at the foot of his bed. Which he assumed was an angel. And this angel says. Your prayers are heard. You may have your way, wish. But remain faithful. Be true to yourself. And help the sick. And all the afflicted. So Edgar agreed. Now the next day at school he's in quite a bit of daze as as you could imagine from you know experiencing something like this the, the previous night. He was just so so preoccupied that he he was kept after class for repeated repeatedly misspelling a word. Now I heard the word was cabin. Obviously that's not a very hard word to spell, so I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's what word it was. It doesn't really matter. But that night he went home and obviously his father was, you know, asking why he was held after class. He told him and his father proceeds to tutor him. What I mean by tutor him is basically sit him at a table and make him You know, do all his writings and read and write and spell words and all this good stuff. And Casey kept messing it up because he was so preoccupied with the thoughts of last night still. And it is stated in a couple of things that I read and a couple things that I saw that his father actually hit him a couple times. Now, I can't say he really hit him, hit him, but he had knocked him out of the chair because he was not getting it right at one of the points in times the very the first time that he gets knocked out of the chair he hears an angel he hears the same voice he heard the night before from the same person that he had seen the night before now this angel said if you can just get a 5 minute break you can and you can take a nap and sleep you know we will help you so casey begs and pleads with his father Hey, just give me just give me a little break. I need some sleep, please. So his father agrees. His father agrees to give him five minutes. He leaves the room. Edgar puts his head on the book and falls asleep. So his father comes in about five minutes later, wakes him up. And when he woke up, he all of a sudden knew every single word in that book and what page it was on. His father realized this, and and Edgar didn't know how. He had no idea what was going on. But his father's sitting here drilling him, and Edgar knows every single thing that he's asking. Every single word in that book, cover to cover. So his father knocks him out of the chair again for not doing good at school and, you know, faking or goofing off at school or whatever. Whatever reason, you know what I mean? He, He... Basically for being a smartass, if you want to call it that. And it's pretty funny because after that, Casey did very, very well in school after that. After he figured out that he could do that, he was pretty much quote-unquote reading everything. Great student. He eventually would uh, land himself a job in a bookstore when he was a, a younger kid because he had memorized the sales manual cover to cover. So it was a little bit of money and stuff like that. Which, like I said, his family was poor, so that was very welcomed. Now in 1892, they were playing, him and a couple of friends were playing a schoolyard uh, game of baseball. He gets hit in the bottom part of his spine with a baseball. When he goes back into class later, it is stated that he was behaving very wildly and he was laughing very wildly too. They really had no explanation for it. Uh, His teachers, after class, they were like, you need to go home and tell your parents what happened because this was not like Casey. He was a very quiet kid. He was very, just very soft-spoken. So as he's walking home, he actually stopped traffic on his way. He just stopped right in the middle of of the street and stopped traffic. And, you know, everybody's like, kid, get Get the fuck out of the road, man. Keep on moving, dude. He ends up making it home. Well, as he's laying on the couch after he tells his parents what happened, he's about half asleep. And he tells his parents the instructions on how to make an herbal paste. And he told them to apply it to his spine while he was sleeping. And, of course, his parents are dumbfounded by this. They don't understand what he's saying but they knew something was wrong with him so they're like what the hell so they make this herbal paste and they do they apply it to the to the part of his spine while he was sleeping now so the next morning edgar casey wakes up and he had completely forgotten about the accident and any of his weird behavior in school the day before he had absolutely no memory of it so about this time people started talking around town because word spread pretty fast about how he was acting and the fact that he had told his parents what kind of herbal paste to apply to him and he, he basically becomes the talk of the town and it's really really sad because the local doctor in town actually sat him down because he uh, he went to see the local doctor in town and he really didn't You know, he couldn't say anything about it. He didn't know how it happened. So the local doctor uh, started telling him that he was going insane. That that was the only reason for what could have happened with his spinal injury, the behavior in the classroom, and then the, you know, recommendation for treatment afterward. You know, that was the only explanation for it. And it really, really hurt Edgar, too, because... This doctor's daughter is actually a young girl that Edgar was very smitten with. He was very attracted to her. So this, you know, it really, really hurt his feelings, it did. The best part about it, though, is that people start thinking, and Edgar himself actually start thinking, that maybe this spinal injury could have been what triggered this quote-unquote self-diagnosis right here but his grandma comes forward and supposedly starts telling him that it's not just him that his grandfather actually had some really strange abilities as well it is stated that she told Edgar that his grandfather the one who he watched pass away and saw as a ghost and could talk to and communicate with like he was standing right there that he could actually move tables and chairs with his mind. I mean, this kind of made Casey feel a little bit better, but in a way it didn't. You know, at this point he doesn't know what in the hell's going on. He just knows that that, you know, what he remembered of a kid being able to, you know, see his grandfather, and then this whole thing with the spinal injury and this just off the wall self diagnosis. So he's just Kind of taking it all in right now. He doesn't know what exactly to think. So in 1893 at the age of 16, he's forced to leave school. He has to start going to work in the fields. His parents could not afford the cost of school anymore. And that's just what it is. Uh, Back in this time period, that was very common. Uh, Ninth grade education was more than enough to get you through life. He goes working in the fields you know, with his dad. And like I had stated earlier, his father referred to himself as the Squire. Um, And it it was about this time, his father, a little bit about his dad, he uh, he always had the appearance that he was well-off. He was a working-class farmer, but he was always very clean-shaven, always dressed very nice, and tried to appear, you know, like he was more well-off than he actually was. But at about this time, they decide to, you know, kind of call it quits on the farm because they weren't making any money. They weren't getting anywhere. So the Squire moved Edgar and the rest of the family into town, into uh, Hopkinsville. You know, they're, they're doing their thing in town, and like I say, he's just a farm boy, okay? But in 1895, at the age of 18, old Edgar Casey meets a... The prettiest young lady in town by the name of Gertrude Evans. Now Gertrude and Edgar could not be more different. Edgar, poor farm boy, Gertrude came from a well-to-do family. So them kind of being matched up was a little bit off. But Gertrude saw in him what nobody else could see. She fell in love with him immediately, and he fell in love with her too. She could see all the good in him. She could see that, yeah, he might be a little bit different than everybody else. Of everything that she knew about Edgar in this short amount of time that she had known him, she knew that he had a good soul, that he was a good person, that he had integrity. I mean, the two fell in love. It really did not take long. For him to propose, he proposed within, I believe it was, the first year of their relationship. Now, since there was no money coming in, Edgar and his father decide to start this traveling insurance shit. Shit show, you know what I mean? Like, they're going around, you know, they're basically traveling insurance salesmen. And they're doing this. Well, it's at about this time that Edgar gets a really bad cold. And he loses his voice, and it ends up being laryngitis. So he starts, you know, looking for ways. He was without his voice for almost, almost. I think it was right about ten months. And he starts photography. Uh, he he really gets into this because he doesn't have to say anything. He was literally at the point with this, you know, traveling insurance thing. If you can't talk, you ain't gonna be able to make no money. So. He gives that up for the photography, and he is so good at it. If any of you have a chance to check out any of his photography, it is really, really good. He starts doing a lot of pictures around town, starts doing scenery, and his most prized model that he always loved taking pictures with was the woman that he loved the most miss gertrude evans she she was his model and these pictures were were selling he was very good at what he did he had found you know a talent to where he could make enough money and the reason making money at this point was so important was because he wanted to marry gertrude so bad but he wanted to do it the right way he wanted to be able to pay for everything it's very it's very admirable you know They're doing this for, you know, he's going through his medical treatments for about 10 months or so. And somebody suggests that he should try hypnotism. Because at this point in time, this is the very early 1900s. This is about 1901, in fact. uh, Hypnotism and spirituality and stuff like Ouija boards, they're all really, really big right now. It's, I mean, you would almost say it's a trend or a fad, but that's pretty much what's going on. So there's this hypnotist, Al Lane. And Al Lane is pretty much, uh, what do you want to say? He's like a traveling um, osteopathic doctor. We'll get into that a little bit more about Al Lane. So Al Lane agrees to... Put him under hypnosis to try to cure this ailment. Uh, Edgar Casey was at the point where he had no more options. He had tried everything. He had gone to doctors. They could not cure it. So on March 31st, 1901, Al Lane comes m- and meets up with Edgar Casey. It's on a Sunday. Uh, it's right after church. They meet up at a house. He's there to instruct Edgar Casey on self-hypnotism. Uh, Now basically what was going to happen was he was going to have Edgar hypnotize himself and then by hypnotic suggestion try to tell him to talk normally and to see if that worked. Now after his eyes start fluttering Edgar you know he gets into this into this hypnotic state and in a normal tone of voice with nothing wrong he says the words yes we can see the body he begins to tell everybody in the room what's wrong with him he says it's the problem is in the circulatory system in his throat and it could be healed by suggestion so al lane goes ahead and you know says you know circula- circulation returned to normal and edgar casey's throat starts getting very red and his chest starts getting red as well and after a few minutes passes, Edgar Casey sits up and he spits out some blood. You know, nothing major, but he spits out some blood. And he starts talking normally. Now, he didn't cure uh, what, what the problem was, but it was definitely better. Uh, the, the condition returned, uh, a few you know, several times over the course of the year, and each time Al Lane would do the exact same procedure. Now, like I said, uh, Al Lane was what they call a traveling osteopathic doctor. And, you know, I hate to say it, but he was probably out to make a buck. Now, an osteopathic doctor is somebody who bases a lot of their stuff on massages and uh, massaging the bones and herbal remedies and a lot of stuff like that. So, Al Lane starts wondering... About whether or not he could actually do this to other people. And he tries to talk Edgar Casey into it. He he wants him to try it. And Edgar Casey did not feel comfortable. Because he was not a doctor. And in, in his own words he said. You know all it takes is one wrong diagnosis to make me a murderer. I am not a doctor. He ends up trying it. And he starts giving detailed medical terms. Detailed remedies. And it was really odd because he had no prior medical knowledge, none whatsoever. So it, it kind of really scared Edgar. It really did. Uh, he was no doctor and he, he wanted to quit what he was doing. But he felt that, I think the drive to help people and push people, or not push people, I, the drive to help people is what pushed him it he just he was a good good guy he just wanted to help people as much as he could. So he kinda is a little bit freaked out and he decides to pretty much take off. Uh Al Lane had to, you know, hit hit the road and, and couldn't really do any more with him. Edgar Casey was not comfortable doing these readings. So at about the age of twenty two he goes to Bowling Green to a bookstore and gets a job there. Now, remember this whole time he's trying to finance a wedding. He wants to marry uh you know gertrude e- extremely bad. They've been engaged for a while now at this point about three years or so uh he gets to uh Bowling Green and he joins a church. He' very very church oriented He started teaching Sunday school. But he really, really did miss Gertrude just more than you could imagine. But he ended up saving up enough money. And in June of 1903, he married Gertrude Evans. And he started his own photography studio uh, right there in Bowling Green. At about this point in time is when the rumors of Edgar Casey's abilities start to catch up with him. People start coming to him for help. For treatments and Edgar being who he was he could not turn down the needy there were people that couldn't afford medical care that needed help and they were looking for any possible any possible scenario anything so they would track down Edgar Casey and ask for his help and he could not say no now keep in mind this whole time that this is going on that Edgar Casey has no money you know the the couple years that he's you know doing these readings for people and healing them and everything like this, he refused to take any money from anybody. He did not want anything all he wanted to do was help people, so that's pretty much where we were at with uh you know in about nineteen o three when they got married and he was working in a bookstore. You know, he he never took money for anything. He was never a rich man. In autumn, in 1906, at the age of 29, uh, he is asked to demonstrate for doctors. Now, what they are trying to do is they're trying to have him basically examine all these college students and see what ailments he came up with along with Uh, what remedies he would come up with. Now, he correctly diagnosed every single student that came in for a reading. Now, it should be noted that for a reading, you didn't even have to be there. If Edgar Cayce knew your name, your location, he could diagnose you. He actually... Uh, diagnosed one ki- one of the college students with typhoid fever. He diagnosed that correctly, and like I said before, he has no prior medical knowledge whatsoever. So at this point, the doctors are getting very. They're getting. They think he's a fake. Still, they're they're about ready to do some pretty mean shit. They start testing his trance state. Well what they do is they take needles and they start sticking them in his hands and feet. And just to just to basically prove that he is a fake and the trance is fake and all this is a hoax. But the whole time this is going on, Edgar Casey never flinched. Not one time. Nor did he even bleed. So when Edgar Casey wakes up and he finds this out, that this is what these doctors did to him while he was trying to help people, he pretty much vowed never to be a test experiment again. He was very, very pissed. And it's also at about this time that the town obviously is buzzing about what he can do. Now word gets to the church obviously, and the church becomes very very worried that this is the guy that is teaching Sunday school to their kids. Like who is this guy? What what is he doing? This is this is going against the Bible. And the church charges him with heresy. Now he was found innocent. You know, at this point, he decided that he was going to quit. He's like, "I am, I'm done." He this is, he starts questioning whether or not it's a curse or a gift. So he starts working his ass off and gets to the point where he opens two photography studios, and things definitely start to seem like they are looking up for Edgar Casey. So on December twenty third, nineteen o six a real bad bad stroke of luck happens. Uh, one of Edgar's studios burns down. Now, the thing about this is, you probably wouldn't think it's bad, but he actually had some art from New York that was on consignment in there. So he ended up going to, into debt. I believe he had anywhere from twenty to $40,000 worth of art on consignment, and he ended up $8,000 in debt after that fire. And to boot, in 1907, his second studio burned down. So within 12 months, he had two of his photography studios burned down. I tried looking for the cause of the fires, whether it might have been, you know, self-started or if it might have been arson or what the, what the causes were. But I really didn't get too much into that. That will be discussed over the facts and theories, that is for sure. And at about this time in March of 1907 they are blessed with their first little bundle of joy Uh, little Hugh Lynn Casey was born Uh, they were still pretty much broke they had had not much going on he had eventually um, he had worked his way out of debt but he moved into uh, Gertrude's family home uh, with their parents and obviously there was some tension there Uh, They never really saw Edgar as good enough for their daughter because, you know, he, you know, wasn't very well to do. So there's a little bit of tension there. And when he moves back, uh, Edgar's father introduces him to a guy named Ketchum. Now, Ketchum is a promoter of sorts. And he ends up doing this article. Now... Casey's father and Ketchum pretty much are planning this out to where they all three are going to make money. Edgar Casey did not want any money at all. Uh, Ketchum ends up doing this article about him in in a big newspaper. And it's not too long after that, Edgar Casey is getting thousands of letters to heal people. He still never charged one single penny because he considered this a gift. I think it was at, you know, about this point in time that he came to the realization that this was definitely a gift from God. And that he didn't feel right charging because he was merely a vessel. He was only the, you know, messenger in between. So he never would charge. So instead of actually getting money, Casey, or I should say Ketchum, offers to finance uh, a studio. Now, this right here, you know, that's that's his weakness. He loves photography. It's a, he's good at it. It's a good, decent way to make money. You know, Edgar stays up all night thinking about it. And what they come up with is, you know, Ketchum would finance a studio in exchange for him doing readings for people. Uh, There would be $2,000 set back, you know, payable, you know, upon completion of, you know, said tasks. So, Casey agrees. But he also wants his father to do the readings with him. And he wants a stenographer there so he can review the readings after he gives them. Because, like I mentioned before, he has no memory of anything that he says while he's in these trances. It's funny because he starts thinking of himself in a different way at this point in time as well. He, he has this quote and he says, People ask me if I'm a spiritualist he says i've never really thought of myself that way he's like people call me a psychic he's like but all i am is a man of god and that was something that that casey prided himself on so it's set up that he does two readings a day for 45 minutes apiece you know he would be in an office you know he would lay back and what he would do is he would put his hands on his face, or on his forehead, and he would pray. And when he got to that point, his eyes would flutter, he would put his hands around his waist, and you would always hear the words, we can see the body. That was the first thing that Edgar Cayce always said. He, When he was in these trance states, it should be noted, and remember this, he never spoke in the first person. He never said the word, I... Everything he said that was related to him was said we. That's what came out of his mouth. And uh, on a side note, there is actually a really cool story. Um, Like I had mentioned, all he needs is a person's name and the location of where they are at the exact time of the reading. Now this story is about he was going to do a, a reading... On a guy from New York who is supposed to be at his apartment at this exact time. Well, Edgar goes into his normal trance state. And he says, we cannot see the body. The body is not here. It's in a bus across town. There's been a traffic accident and the bus is late. He'll be here in a minute. We'll wait. And everybody in the room is like, okay, you know, what the f- what the fuck does that mean? All of a sudden, Edgar Casey says he came in, and he proceeds to do this reading. Now, after the reading, they called the guy that they did the reading for in New York, and he verified every single thing that Edgar Casey said. Now, who in the hell can do something like that? There's no way he could have known that. So, Edgar Casey is starting to get a pretty big reputation and it should be noted that all of his treatments involve home remedies uh herbal remedy herbal remedies uh diet treatments things like that and he starts noticing that he has some patients that that don't follow his exact orders and this really bothers him because he's supposed to be helping people and he can't help them if they don't listen to him so he starts wanting to build a hospital so he can supervise their treatments and make sure they're they're following you know the exact orders of the treatments and this would become his obsession for years now in early 1911 edgar has another son milton milton is born uh in march i believe of 1911 Milton, in the first month of his life, develops a whooping cough and colitis at the same time. So Edgar decides to give a reading. And during this reading, Edgar Casey says, This child cannot be saved. And just under two, month, two months old, on May 17, 1911, Milton Casey passes away this hurt them bad uh, Gertrude was already in a bout of postpartum depression her health really starts failing and Edgar Casey it just tore him up knowing that he could not save his own son he could not save his own child he could save all these other people but when it came to his son he could not he literally said the words this child cannot be saved I mean, it fucked him up. Now, Gertrude, with her postpartum and her declining health because of losing young Milton, she starts to develop tuberculosis. Now, this is what killed her brother. Tuberculosis took her brother's life, so she knows the the seriousness of it. And at this point where she is, is literally given a week to live by doctors... She begs Edgar Casey for a reading. Edgar had put it off. He did not want to do a reading. He was scared. Because this was the one person that he loved most. In the entire world. And he was scared that he was not going to be able to save her. So he finally accepts. And he does the reading. And he... Ended up saving his wife's life. She made a full recovery. And at this point in time Edgar Casey Comes to the realization. That if he could truly save some of the people that he loves. Then maybe this is what he was meant to do with his life. Maybe this is his purpose on this planet. And on that note. I'm going to take a little break. And I will see you guys back here in a minute. Okay, so at about this point in time, after everything happened with his son, Milton, and then everything afterward that happened with his wife, Edgar decides to start doing more readings. Now what happens is Edgar finds out that his father and uh, Ketchum are using his abilities... To try to get inside info on commodities and horse races. Edgar just feels betrayed. He's very angry. Uh, he doesn't know how to react to this. So, you know, one of the people that he should have been able to trust, you know, pretty much just straight up betrayed him for money. So he decides to leave town. He takes the family to Selma, Alabama. Uh, He opens an art studio there, and while he's there, he's doing really good. He's not really giving any readings. He hadn't given any readings for a long time. He got back into his passion. He got back into art, photography. That's when his other son, Hugh Lin, uh, who was age 6 at the time, accidentally lights a match with some flashlight powder, ...and burns his face really, really bad. Now, all the doctors said that he would lose his eyesight... ...and they would probably have to remove one of his eyes. So, Hugh Lynn asked his father to do a reading on him. And, he, you know, Edgar was very hesitant, but he did it. And he suggested a, a tannic acid solution, which was very risky... And, as it would so happen, it actually saved his son's sight. Uh, no eye would have to be removed. He got full vision back, which, you know, pretty much gave Edgar the some of the confidence to start moving forward. Now, at age 40, uh, towards about the end of World War One, he starts realizing... That he's helping a lot of veterans that are coming back from the trenches of France, he's curing what they call shell shock when normal hospitals and doctors are not being able to do it. So this starts fueling his fire to get his hospital going any more. You know, just just that much, that much more. It's just, it's really fueling it. He knows that he can help these veterans when nobody else can. All, all the veterans that followed his instructions did get better. Now his friend David Kahn comes back from World War One. This was a, a friend of his from Kentucky, and he suggests that he use his abilities to fund a hospital. So, pretty much, Edgar decides to go to Texas, and what he's gonna do, him and him and a. Uh, David Kahn come up with this idea to go and start doing uh, oil prospects in Texas. They're going to start prospecting, find the oil, make all these millions of dollars, and then Edgar can finally build the hospital that he has been dreaming about building for so long. It doesn't exactly happen that way. Uh, between 1920 and 1923, Edgar Casey is in Texas. Those were very tough years for him. He starts the Casey Petro uh, Petroleum Company, but the oil never came. He, no matter what he did or what he tried, he could not strike oil. Uh, along with that, some of his wells were getting sabotaged by some of the competition. Right around in this this three year span here, this is really tough for Casey because he's trying to provide for his family, who's you know very far away. You know, nothing's happening right for him, and he's actually starting to doubt his abilities. He thinks that they are gone. He has that feeling that he has failed his family. So in 1923, he leaves Texas, but he would not go home empty-handed. There was no way. He ends up finding uh, an investor that would invest $60,000 to build a hospital in Birmingham, Alabama but through his readings edgar casey kept saying that the hospital needed to be built in virginia beach virginia because according to casey the crystals in the sand and the ocean and the sun all combined actually helped his psychic powers he felt that it strengthened them and if he was going to do this hospital and help people he needed to be ...at the strongest that he could be. So the offer to build this hospital in Birmingham was withdrawn. So he goes back to Selma and starts back into his photography, which, again, is successful. Starts feeling pretty good. So after he's there for a little bit, he meets a potential investor from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, he was a businessman, and he convinced Edgar Casey and his family to move to Dayton, Ohio... But he wanted to bring along a stenographer, uh, an 18-year-old by the name of Gladys Davis. Now, Gladys Davis was taken in as part of the family. And it should be noted that Gladys was known to have an extremely good memory. She could tell Edgar who got a reading on what date and what uh, what the reading was about. So that should be noted. But she was just a young girl he wanted to take her with her to be the stenographer you know she was accepted as part of the family and she was actually with with him for the long haul now when they get to Dayton this is when everything changes for Edgar as he's doing a reading with with the potential investor this man starts asking metaphysical questions he starts asking questions about the nature of the human soul. And Edgar starts talking about, about just that. He starts talking about the soul and how the soul is infinite. And about how when one dies, he does not truly die. He just keeps on living through another plane of existence. He starts talking about reincarnation. He starts talking about past lives He tells the investor about his past lives in detail. So when he wakes up and he starts going through this, he starts questioning the Bible. He starts wondering how what he is doing can totally contradict everything that he's ever known. And he starts feeling a little conflicted about this. And I'm not going to lie, it's not a little conflicted. He starts feeling very conflicted. So what he does is he tries to find answers in the Bible. He starts reading to the point where he can find spots where the Bible actually supports the idea of reincarnation. So it, it makes him feel a little bit better about going forward. This is the point in time where Edgar Casey stops giving physical readings and starts giving life readings. And that's what they are referred to. And he starts with his own family. He starts telling them about their past lives and about how most of their past lives were in Egypt. It just keeps going from there. So Edgar Casey starts studying a lot of other religions. He's just so perplexed but he knows that he has this gift. And he knows that this gift is from God. So if he has this, then why is he seeing all this other stuff? So he starts really, really starting to go deep. And in 1923, at the age of 46, Edgar Casey becomes a full-time psychic. And this is where his life really starts going forward... At this point in time is where we start learning who the real Edgar Casey is and just what he is capable of. But in order to find that out, what kind of person would I be if I didn't leave you guys hanging for more? Tune in. I'll be posting uh, another episode here in a couple days. Until then, this is Justin and I'll see you folks on the flip side.